We're continuing our series on Ecclesiastes this week, and and we come to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to read chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. The first eight verses or so of this chapter are really well known. They're they're a famous poem. The verses after that are less well known, but as we walk through this text together in this sermon, we'll see how they all fit together. So let's now turn to God's Word. We're going to read Ecclesiastes 3. From verse 1 to verse 17. There is a time for everything, and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to uproot. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to tear down, and a time to build. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and to do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. Whatever is has already been, and what will be has been before, and God will call the past to account. And I saw something else under heaven. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I thought in my heart, God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time for for every deed. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Our Friday morning men's Bible study passed around a, a meme this week, and, and that picture, the picture was of a woman standing a bit like this, staring off in the distance really intently through her sunglasses with that look that you have when there's something crazy going on out there, and you can't quite figure out what it is, but but you really know you need to get what's going on there. And then the caption for that picture went something like this. Me looking outside to see which chapter of Revelation we're doing today. And if you think of Revelation, if you think of the last book of the Bible, what you probably think of are things like plagues, violence, war, chaos, everything going sideways. And so it seems like that photo fits where we are today because because we've got all of that going on. It feels like, it feels like, well, like life is simply crazy. We are, we are in a strange time. Whenever you open up a browser or or scroll through your social media feed, or, or turn on the TV for the news, you might find yourself shaking your head and, 
and thinking, we're doing this now? This is where we've arrived? As I was doing that the last couple of weeks, trying to pay attention to what's going on today, and as I was digging into this text and, and reflecting on what it has to say to us, there was a set of questions that kept coming to mind in the interplay between this text and today. So we're going to start with that question and reflect on the question a bit, and then as we work through this text, we'll see three ways that Ecclesiastes, that the Word of God answers that question. And the question we're going to start with is, what kind of time is this? What kind of time are we in? Now, you can ask that question these days with confusion or exasperation or anger or uncertainty or any number of emotions. Let me just walk us through. We all know this, but let me walk us through the last couple months, really, last few months, I guess now. We're in the middle of a global plague. There's this pandemic around the world that's closing countries down, and hundreds of thousands of people are dying, and many, many more are in hospitals. We're experiencing social isolation like we've never experienced before. Economies are falling apart. We're all just kind of edgy and sick of all this. What kind of time is this that this is happening? And just, just a couple weeks ago, George Floyd was arrested in the Twin Cities. And in the process of restraining him, one of the arresting officers put his, put his knee on Floyd's neck and kept it there and kept it there, and kept it there, even long after Floyd had stopped breathing. And now that officer and the other three involved are all facing criminal charges for this this needless death in police custody. What kind of time are we in that this is happening? And George Floyd's death was, was a match that that lit the keg of a number of protests of people gathering and saying, this is not right. We all want to live in a country. We all want to affirm what the Declaration of Independence has to say, that, that everyone who is here, man, woman, and child, should, should be able to enjoy the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And when that doesn't go right, we, we call for better. But that desire to call for better, those peaceful protests have, have spilled over into, into insanity. There's been violence and rudy, riots and looting and, and all kinds of trouble. In Chicago here, we've had curfews and, and different roads closed down and, and looting. And, and the National Guard has been called out. What kind of time is this that all of this is happening? Well, that poem at the beginning of Ecclesiastes 3 opens up that question for us. This is a poem that's often read in kind of a heartwarming way. It's, it's read to, to commemorate an occasion, to, to give a nice heartwarming little experience. But if we really pay attention to those first eight verses and then look at what comes after that, this section of Ecclesiastes is much deeper, much more, much darker, much more in tune with our reality right now than we might have guessed. Those eight verses talk to us about all kinds of times, a time for this, a time for that, a time for this, a time for that. 
And I don't think we could dig into each of those, each of those sets of times, and you can profitably do that, but I don't think the point is how each of them in particular works. I think the point is the cumulative effect. And what Ecclesiastes wants us to do is, is to really absorb that there, is, there are times and times and seasons and seasons in this life. Let's do a little bit of math a minute. If you read through that poem there, you'll find that there are 14 sets of times. 28 times Ecclesiastes says, there's a time to, there's a time to, there's a time to, there's a time to. And in the time that Ecclesiastes was written, seven was considered a number of of fulfillment, of completion. And for those of you who are quick at math, you've already realized that 28 is seven times four. So I think what Ecclesiastes is trying to do there is give us a sense just that there are all kinds of times in life. There are good times. There are bad times. There are wonderful times. There are hard times. But all of these seasons, they come and they go. And the question is what we do in each particular season. Ecclesiastes wants to look at the wide range of human experience from the best to the worst And then to reflect, what time are we in? And how do we follow the Lord in this time? So we'll try to answer that question in three ways tonight. And we'll begin by saying, as Ecclesiastes leads us to say, this is a time to know what we don't know. This is a time for us to recognize how little we actually know as human beings. Verses 9 to 11, the first couple of verses after the poem in verses 1 to 8, they ask, what do any of us gain from all that we do on this earth? We live with this burden that we can't achieve what we want. God has put eternity in our hearts. He's given us this sense that there's something more, that, that somehow no matter what we accomplish, there's always more out there. And we never really get to see the big picture. Life is big and complicated, and we are, we are small. Again, life is huge and complicated and difficult, and all of us are just, just small people. Verses 9 to 11 have kind of a negative tone to them. They want to come along and, and dump a bucket of cold water on us and say, wake up! Realize your real situation. These verses, the first answer that Ecclesiastes gives us of how to think of the time that we're in is is to tell us you are small. And so embrace humility. Recognize what you don't know. People are peddling all kinds of all kinds of answers these days as if if we just had this, then everything would be right. If we just had a bit more medical knowledge or technology, if we just had a bit better social practices, if we just had a bit better, a bit better legal structure and system, if we just all made better choices, and life would probably be better if all of those things were true and we could keep the list going on and on, but, but all of those answers, all of those answers are too easy because they don't address all of the complexity of life. And the reality is that even when we know what the right answer is, we don't live it out. 
we humans, we can't control the complexity and we can't, we can't get our own problems, our own shortcomings in line so that we can get it right. We can do good in the world, but, but our lives are short. Our power is limited. There is so much that we don't know and can't do. And that's hard to hear. We would love it if we could fix everything, if we could figure out a, a technology or a procedure or something to make it all right, but, but we just aren't big enough. And for much of the world, that would be tremendously discouraging, but, but for us who believe in Jesus, I think it's actually good news. As believers, one way that we actually grow up is by becoming smaller and smaller in our own eyes. This is a time for us to know what we don't know. This is a time for us to practice humility. This is a time for us to pray and to reflect before we declare or pronounce. This is a time when there is so much we don't know. So Ecclesiastes... Ecclesiastes first tells us to be humble. But then it goes on, and in verses 12 and a couple verses after that, it, it gives us another answer. And its second answer is, is to tell us that this is a time to spend wisely. In verses 12 and 13, the teacher tells us that this is a time not to throw up our hands in despair, not to just tune out, not to give up, but but to embrace the creaturely existence that God has given us, to enjoy life, to do good, to live wisely. Ecclesiastes tells all of us, know that you are small. And then it goes on and tells us, but enjoy your smallness. Enjoy the life that you have. Enjoy the good that you can do. Because all of this is a gift from God. All of our time is a gift from God. And God calls us to use it well and wisely. Raymond Barfield is a doctor and a writer. And he, he writes at the intersection of, well as he puts it, he writes at the intersection of medicine and compassion. He tries to reflect on that space where where we can care for people through the means of medicine, but, but where we have to recognize that there's more to life than just our physical bodies and, and there's more to life than just finding cures or, or giving up and letting nature take its course. There's, there's a lot of wisdom in his writings, though I don't usually agree with quite where he lands spiritually. But in an interview once, Dr. Barfield talks about, talks about how he views each day and he says, I, I try to see each day as a gold coin. Each day that we're given is one gold coin. And you have to spend that gold coin that day. And you will never get that coin back. So make sure that whatever you spend that coin on, that it is worth it. Make sure that it is worth it every day. Because you don't know how many coins you have left. And you don't know what will happen after you run out. Life is a mystery, and so spend each day. Spend each gold coin intentionally, 
Spend it wisely and spend it well. And that's the message, that's the message that Ecclesiastes wants us to hear. All of our time, all of our time is a gift from God to us. Every day, God gives each of us a gold coin, and He tells us, tells us spend this well. But then we come to the difficult question of, of how in this time do we spend this coin? This month, this week, this day, how do we live wisely? And honestly, honestly, to my frustration, as I prayed over this text, as I reflected, as I read, as I, as I looked at the news, I don't have a set answer. I don't have an easy answer for us about how we live wisely today. We all agree, or at least I really hope we do, though we have an obligation to care for the vulnerable. We agree that we should avoid unnecessary suffering and death. We agree that our government and all the people who work in our government should do things right. We agree that we should seek justice and promote peace. We all want to live in a place where everybody has life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We all want that. But in these complex days, it's hard to see how to get there. So instead of of giving you an answer, I want instead this week to invite you to turn to the Lord. I want to invite each of you and all of us to pray and to reflect and to go to the Lord and beg Him to show us as individuals, to show us as a church, to show us as a nation. How can we live wisely? How can we live wisely in this time when so much is broken and wrong? Let us all go to the Lord and ask Him how He is calling us to spend this gold coin on this day. And I want to give you one potential action point for that. This Tuesday, as we have every Tuesday since this lockdown order began, we have a group that gathers from our church on Zoom for prayer. And next week, we're going to focus on praying specifically, praying especially for our nation, for all the turmoil, all the trouble that we're in, and, and praying for how we as a church can speak the good news and live out the good news of Jesus Christ in this time. So on your own, with family, with friends, and with your church body, pray and reflect. And as we're in this time, let's seize the opportunity to follow where and to follow wherever God leads us. And our third answer, our third answer to the question of of what kind of time is this brings us directly to the Lord. This is where we need need to put our feet down, need to stand in these hard times. This is a time for us to trust in God's enduring work. Ecclesiastes 3.14 tells us, I know, I know, says this teacher who's speaking to us in Ecclesiastes, I know that everything God does will endure forever. 
The Lord's work endures forever. The Lord upholds the world and and the universe. And as Ecclesiastes goes on, as we come to verse 17 and, and the end of the text that we read for today, Ecclesiastes tells us not just is the Lord in control of everything right now, but that the Lord will ensure that peace and justice win in the end. The text tells us that now we see wickedness in the world. We see wickedness even, when, even in places where there should be justice. We see wrongdoing when good should be upheld. We see so much that is not right. And in this life, that will probably always be the case. The people and the systems of our world will always get it wrong. But this text tells us that God, while He is patient and forbearing now, will write every wrong. There will be a time when every activity and every deed is accounted for and when all evil will receive its due repayment. And that reality, the reality of God's enduring work for justice and peace, leads us to two observations, two guides for us. And we'll wrap up with these two guides for tonight. First, because God will accomplish justice and peace, we are set free now. A couple weeks ago, I said we're set free from anxiety and anger, and I want to come back to that again today. Because God will bring about justice and peace, we do not have to get ourselves all wound up about making sure that everything is right here and now. We can't do that anyway. But as hard as we work for justice and peace, we as Christians can also, at the end of the day, leave it in the Lord's hands. And so whatever whatever calls for justice we might issue, whatever protesting we might do, whatever calls for accountability we might issue... At the end of the day, we don't need to, to start wars or battles or, or all of those sorts of things. We can give the world back into the hands of the Creator, and we can get on with doing the good that we can do and enjoying the life that God has given us. We don't need to be out throwing bricks through windows or down in our basements with a rifle pointed at the door to make sure that our cause is, is carried through or to make sure that we're safe. We can trust the Lord and trust that He will work things out in His time. That's the first observation. And the second observation, well, the second observation is that that in Jesus Christ, the Lord has provided for everything that we need, for everything that we need. Ecclesiastes often talks about life under the sun, life in this world. And the truth is that if we were just living under the sun, then all of us, every single one of us, would need to face justice. And all of us would be due judgment. All of us have this this wellspring of evil that just bubbles out of us. And we're, we're not as bad as we could be, and in some ways maybe we're even pretty good people, but... But in all of us, there's this spring of evil and wrongdoing and hatred and injustice and strife. And we can't plug it up and we can't stop it. And when it overflows, well, we see the world that we live in today. But Jesus, Jesus comes to us 
And he in his death received the judgment that was due to each of us. He in his suffering paid the price that each of us should pay. Jesus Christ went beyond justice as the Lord always does for his people. And in Jesus' generous work, we, we have enduring hope of salvation. And because we belong to Jesus, we know that we can live in peace now and forever. And no cause, no movement, no politician, no, no anything except Jesus Christ can really promise us that. So what kind of time is this? This is a time to practice humility. And this is a time to live with with prayer and with reflection and with wise action. And this is a time to trust in the Lord's enduring work. May we all see the hands of the Lord carrying us through these crazy, crazy times. Let's pray. Father, these are strange and difficult times that we live in. And just when we feel like we might finally have a handle on some little part of this, the world explodes again. Father, there is time and time and season and season, and this one just seems to get stranger and stranger for us. And so, Father, we pray that you do help us to recognize what we can and what we cannot do and what we can and what we cannot be. Help us to recognize our limits and our smallness and to live well within them as your creatures. And, Father, we pray that you show us as your people the wise way forward. Help us in our response to all the difficult situations around us to mirror your grace and your love and your light And even when we disagree with others, to be able to treat them as your image bearers. And Father, we know that we have no hope apart from you. And so we pray that you give us what we need to be able to trust, to be able to cast ourselves on your enduring work that that will carry us through even this time. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.